What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I am Chris. And I am Ben. And we're here to bring you our opinions on the news notes and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 124. A lot of good stuff for you today. We, of course, have our uh, our top 10 draft order as we see it playing out. Uh, ben and I have not shared this, so we'll be seeing each other's, or hearing each other's at least, for the first time on this episode, which should be kind of fun. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Possibly hanging it up. We'll have a little bit something about that later. Uh, potential, more potential movement in the draft order. Uh, Sam Darnold on the move. That kind of clarifies what the Jets are going to do. At least we feel it does. Uh, Tyler Lockett has an extension. I have something to say on baseball as I have the previous two weeks. But first, Ben's segment is changing a bit this week. Right. Uh, it appears the uh, the NHL. Uh, sorry, hockey fans out there is just not all that exciting right now. Uh, and Ben does not want to force the issue and just bring up a topic for the sake of doing it. Okay. So instead, he has something with college basketball. What is that, Ben? Oh, well, two small little snippets. Um, let's first uh, congratulate the uh, women's Stanford team. Yep. Uh, they won the women's NCAA final. Well done. Uh, Congratulations. It's a stunning surprise. It's not the UConn ladies, but, you know, hey. Change of pace is always nice. Is it always a surprise when it's not UConn ladies, though? It is. is. The dominance they've had for, God, it seems like forever. Uh, Better part of four decades, I think. At least, my God, man. Remember them being a big deal when I was a kid, and they just never seemed to stop. Uh, And then, uh, so the bigger uh, bigger point I was going to bring up is uh, Kansas Jayhawks uh, coach Bill Self. He's been there, I I don't know how long. I don't watch, I don't follow basketball like I did when I was younger uh, because real world, uh, I have other things I have to do. So only so much time in the the day. Chris, you understand that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I got you. Yep. Um, That's why why I'm recording this a little after midnight, so. Uh, Bill Self uh, has signed a lifetime contract to the men's basketball team. It replaces his contract with a new five-year rolling agreement that automatically adds a year at the conclusion of each season for the remainder of his career. Uh, Just to make a point about that, uh, that is a nice gig. I guess it guarantees him to a job for as long as he wants a job. Maybe I would I would be very hesitant if it was me or being an AD for a school to give anybody a lifetime contract, no matter how button up, pristine, you know, speaks well, all the talking points, you know, you could be the best person ever could slip up and say the wrong thing in the wrong context and now you have to eat that contract in some way shape or form i'm sure there's outs but a lifetime contract congratulations to bill self for getting that but seems a little i don't know yeah i i i agree good for him uh, the only other one i know with lifetime contract is mike shashevsky with duke right I, I don't. I can't confirm that. I'm pretty but sure I, I saw that years I, ago. He did, but how does that structure? Like, I know. I know you said like it adds a year on automatically to the end of his current deal. Yeah. But like, like you said, what if something goes wrong? What if all of a sudden he just loses it and and doesn't draft a couple of good classes in a row? Like, I mean, there's obviously outs, but you would think if the school were to break that contract, there is a right. heavy financial penalty on their end towards the coach for that. 
You would think. Don't know for sure, but I, I just one one more point to that. I know it's your segment, not mine, but I, I sure. as well used to be a massive college basketball fan. My father and I used to watch it on ESPN religiously all the time. What killed it for me wasn't even being busy because college basketball game, you're sitting down, you know, you're hour and a half, two hours, you're in and out, you're done, you're good. Uh, so if you have a night, a couple hours at night, you know, you can get a good game in. That's cool. What killed it for me is the one year minimum. So you, I knew you, it. You watch it. school. Yeah, exactly. But you'd watch schools, you get invested in schools, you get invested in players. And then you're out and you're a year later and no one can fault these kids for taking the money when they got the chance. I mean, that's go for it. Good for you. But it, it it does take something away from it when you, you get, you know, I never really had a college I really rooted for. I just loved watching really good games. And I did love seeing underdog stories. So when you're watching Super Tuesday on ESPN back in the early 2000s, late 90s, and you got a, an unranked team who beats number 10 or 12, it's a big deal. That was exciting. And then you follow those players throughout their, a couple of years in college, and they go to the NBA. And then you're invested in watching them in the NBA. And... You don't, I don't have that anymore because you have a year or a time in Europe and then they're in the NBA and then it's a whole different ball game. So right. it just really, really kind of killed it for me. I know you're a huge college football fan, massive college football fan. If they came out and they said, well, players can enter right from high school or you only have to play a year minimum and then you can go in the NFL. I can't speak for you, but I would assume without being able to get behind players and really see what they're about, it would take a lot out of it for you. I mean, you know my position on the uh, I'm opting out of a bowl game. I- I've come around a little bit on it, where if it you can't improve your draft stock and you're a high pick, I mean, it doesn't really make sense. Right. But I used to be hard and fast, like, hey, this is your school, and and, and you should show some pride. But after, you know, the way NCAA treats their players and – how much money they make for the schools. I've come around a little bit on that part, but as far as like, if I was watching CMC at Stanford for one season and then he's gone, it's like, you have no think of, think of my Michigan Wolverines. You know, you know how many players I know from that school. Oh yeah. Who have played at Michigan, but never played in the pros or played very little. The, the following, the, the list I can go down and, Case in point, what if Charles Woodson never played three years? I was just going to say that. I didn't know about him until his junior year, his his Heisman year, and then he went pro. If he was a one and done, would I be a Michigan fan? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 100%. You're right. Uh, And I I can recollect the last true basketball, uh, uh, college basketball team that I kind of followed was – Last year, Robert was at Georgetown, and that Georgetown team was going, I think, I want to say Elite Eight or or the Final Four, and they didn't quite get there. That's the last team. And Roy Hibbert's been out of the league for quite a yeah, few years. Yeah. So that tells you how long it's been since I really follow college basketball. But you're right, it's the one-and-dones that killed it. And now they're trying to turn that around and, and kind of make it so. But now they're trying to make it to – 18 and you can go in back to the way it was when LeBron James came in where it went straight from high school. I can understand that. Sure. If you have the ability, you have the talent, but uh, college football, 
18-year-old, 19-year-old, I cannot see them going pro and being successful just because of the physicality of the sport. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. And that's that's a whole different argument that people can or can't have. I mean, that's thing. But it's funny you brought up the Charles Woodson and Michigan thing. That's, that is exactly what I was thinking as you were saying it. Was I was going to ask you, uh, what point in Woodson's Michigan career did you begin watching him? And it was the junior year. So if he played one year, freshman and done, just entered the draft, you became a Michigan fan. And oh. as far as I know, in turn, more of a college football fan because mm-hmm. of – your love for Michigan and Charles Woodson. And if you did, you didn't have that, how much different would your entire fandom be? So it's kind of crazy how one turn can change a lot for us. And I don't know if I'd be a college football fan. Yeah, exactly. Cause that drove me to the sport. And yep. that's, that's that ability to latch on to a person or a group of people or an entire draft class that you just want to support and, and root for. Um, Think, I can think of, of many players who at Ohio State pride themselves at being 3-0 and against Michigan or in reverse draft classes that were 4-0 and against Michigan or uh, Ohio State, 3-0 against Ohio State. You wouldn't have that if it was one and done and the elite talent was leaving every year because then it would just be about getting the best talent in the draft class every single year and trying to pull some little tricks here and there to try to get them to come to your school. I like how it is. Obviously, outside of the other things that I won't get into because I'd go on forever and ever and ever um, about the NCAA. But as far as how they set up the uh, the, um, requirements of being in school for at least three years out of of high school, I think that that builds – the college football fan base mm-hmm. more than um, unfortunately what college basketball doesn't have. Yeah. Well, good luck to uh, Kansas or Kansas State? Kansas, right? Kansas. Kansas and, uh, and, and Bill Self, and hopefully that uh, works out beneficial for both parties. And I'm sure they did their due diligence to make sure there were no, uh, no tweets in Mr. Self's past that were going to get them canceled nope. anytime in the near future so he may not be on twitter which I, would be the smartest thing i was gonna say that's the smartest thing for i think the majority of us to be honest with you so all right my segment's a little bit different this week uh, i'm gonna talk baseball uh more one particular topic on baseball and there's not a whole ton to say about it it's just kind of recognizing something that's pretty special that doesn't get enough recognition uh i, I did say it, most weeks would be fantasy baseball centric this week is not one of those weeks season just started it's really too hard to give you advice based on three games, three days, uh, which sounds kind of weird to say because I did before the season. So three, you know, I don't want to tell anybody to to make a move or give people advice that's going to mess with their team three days in. Let's go a week or two, let the dust settle, and then we can really see. You shouldn't be making roster moves right now anyways. So, Chris, you're telling me I shouldn't drop Rafael Devers. You should not drop Rafael Devers. No, you should not. I have uh, – I had a couple of really good relievers who had really bad opening series. Series. Yeah, that's good English. Uh, <laughs> but really bad opening series. And I am not going to make the irrational move to pick the <laughs> the the players who are the third or fourth or fifth ranked uh, relievers right now who were projected to be in the hundreds as far as overall talent went before the season started based on three days. 
So, no. Dude, you're good keeping Devers. Okay. I'm just saying he has he doesn't have a hit yet. No, I, I, he's, he's <laughs> if he's not over 260, 270 minimum, I'll be shocked. You're going to be just fine. Thank uh, no problem. That That's free. That's free. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll bill you. Um, I, I want to talk about uh, great two-way players. Uh, there have not been a ton of them, granted, because uh, it's so hard to do. I mean, look at all your really, really good dominant pitchers throughout history. Pedro Martinez wasn't popping home runs. Roger Clemens, good, good sized dude, but he wasn't a hitter. Uh, couldn't throw a bat as we saw with the Mike Piazza thing. So <laughs> couldn't swing it, never mind throwing. <laughs> could throw a baseball though. That's what he had to do. That's what he got paid to do. He did it well. Uh, Randy Johnson. Um, I mean, I, I know I'm forgetting a ton of people. Like I said, it's it's a little after midnight here, folks. So we're uh, <laughs> memory's not quite as sharp as it was early in the morning, but. Oh, great pitchers of any generation. Randy Johnson's not going out and popping home runs. Maybe no. occasionally you get a guy like Bartolo Colon who hit a few in his career. They're a decent bat. They're a good bunter. But not a very good all-around, well-rounded hitter. Uh, and there's a guy for the Angels, Shohei Otani, who is that who you thought I was going to talk about? Uh, yes. Okay. Who is – the stats aren't crazy. Okay, I get you. If you just look, hear me talk about him and then look at the stats and go, well, he's had some injury issues and he didn't really pitch last year, if at all, because you know he had Tommy John and uh, I don't, I don't actually know if he played at all last year. To be honest with you, I think he did. Uh, I, I think, he, but I think you're right. He hit. He hit. So this guy, what? He's only 26, mind you. So whatever you think of him, he can still develop into whatever he needs to be to be great because. He has a great arm for a pitcher, and he can hit. I don't know if he plays the field or not. Maybe he does, but the Angels don't have him play the field because if he's going to be a star pitcher, you're not going to have him play in any outfield too. We'll right. let you swing the bat as a DH, but you're not going to be hit, hit playing in the field. Um, but just this is something that's very unique. There are, a f- I think there's one other two-way player in the league right now. He plays for the Rays. I think it's McKay or McVeigh or something like that. I think they, uh, yeah, I, I, some kid that was drafted like two or three years ago that he was determined to be a two-way player. But I think you're right. I think it's, uh, Tim Bay drafted him. Yeah, and, and the thing is, when you're drafted, it's kind of up to the team. Uh, Shohei Otani came from Japan uh, <laughs> and was a free agent. Right. So, <laughs> what was that laugh for? Uh, because I just remember the whole um, the whole situation oh, yeah, when he came yeah. over. It's just like, yeah, if you're a team that's going to put a bid on him, you better come with a plan. Right. And it better involve him hitting and pitching. And if it doesn't, don't even have the conversation. Right. And I just remember, it's just, it's just funny to me because he, he literally laid out what he was going to do. And everyone kind of curtailed to what he wanted because they wanted the talent that that talent that he has where he can hit triple digits and then turn up turn a 99 mile an hour fastball around and, and, and knock it out the park which is funny because that's exactly what he did the other day in his first start right he hit 101 mind you after having tommy john surgery came back some guys have a weaker arm and some guys come back and they kill it because their arm is twice as strong as it was before Mr. Otani appears to have no problem with velocity or arm strength. Like I said, he's 26. Had the surgery. 
what about a year year plus recovery so he could have right. been could have been even 24 when he had it depending on when his birthday falls and this kid look like i said the stats aren't anything to write home about right now if he can stay healthy if his shoulder and arm holds up if he keeps DHing, you're looking at a, a a truly special and unique talent a lot of guys come in and they're really good at one and they're okay at the other, but they kind of want to do both. And then the team's like, no, no, no. You're going to do what you're better at. That's what we're paying you to do. And right. then it's in their contract. They're only this. They're only a pitcher. They're only they're only a hitter. They're, you're not doing both. Uh, but like you said, he came from Japan, and he told teams, you want me on your team, this is what's going to happen. I'm doing both. It's in my contract. To credit of the Angels and Otani, he's done everything he had to do to hold up his end of the bargain, even through injuries. And, and needing Tommy John surgery, he still was hitting for the team. He was still hitting. Well, no matter what you think of that, that's impressive. So this is a unique thing. And I'm not saying this kid's going to go on to be Babe Ruth. But when you think pitchers and hitter combinations, guys who could do it all, you think Babe Ruth. Right. Um, but just want people to to recognize the rareness of somebody who can come in and do it at a high level, whether injuries allow them to long-term or not, the kid can hit and the kid can pitch. So appreciate what you're watching and the rarity of it. Whenever you get a chance to, you have some free time. There's an angels game on. He's on the, he's on the mound. Watch him because the other day, <laughs> he, they were there. Angels are an American league team. He was pitching. There wasn't a DH. He was hitting for himself. Right. In an AL ballpark. Like, the Angels are going to let him do this. So if he can hold it together, I mean, if a guy can win 15, 16 games on the mound and hit 280 with 80 or 90 RBIs and 30, 35 home runs, how is he not a lock for MVP? Uh, it depends on, on the sabermetrics. You know what? What? Oh, I'm gonna they, throw something. They, the I'm TV. sorry. I'm gonna That's throw just something. The reality. I know. That's I know. The reality of the situation. If he doesn't have that sub two ERA with a crazy good whip and then a BAPIP of whatever the whatever is a good BAPIP, which I don't even understand. Are you having a seizure? What did you just say? Bat uh, balls. Oh, God, I don't remember what it was called. I don't remember the acronym. There's just so many like. Idiotic uh, stats, stats yeah. that they just throw yeah. and they claim it as like gospel, and I just. But that's that's the reason why he's not going to win it. I know. Plus, I'm, I'm just saying, like he should. I mean, realistically, plus, like plus Trout will take away votes. He'll take away votes from the uh, local voters because Trout gets votes. Well, Trout earns votes. He deserves it. Uh, you're right. I'm sorry. Let me, let me... <laughs> it's not just him. It. The man's he's the best player in the game. So yeah. All uh, right. Uh, any else on that? Do you want to move on no, to no. our our, uh, our regular regularly scheduled no. program? Let's let's dig into the, the all right draft. So uh, one of my you know personal favorite non Patriot players uh, in recent memory and mm-hmm. somebody who Ben has come around on. If you listen to early episodes of this show, he was uh, extremely hard on this player. And in fact, I believe called him overrated and said he had no hands. And then all he did was go out and, you know, have one of the best ball thrown to the catch ratios ever. It's uh, almost like you have 
this stuff saved somewhere? Yeah, it's called a memory. Okay. On my computer and in my head. That's my brain wheels turning, man. Uh, Tyler Lockett, Seattle Seahawks wide receiver, signed a four-year extension uh, worth $69.2 million with $37 million guaranteed. Uh, this locks up Seattle's, uh, half of Seattle's great wide receiver duo, along with DK Metcalf. And Metcalf, you know, he's a first-round pick. So he'll, you know, he only has two years in Seattle so far. So they have him. I can't imagine him not picking up their fifth-year option. So they have him for at least yeah. another two to three years. And they will absolutely extend him, too. Yeah. Just keeps them together. This helps alleviate, I'm sure, some of that Russell Wilson discontent. They kept some offensive linemen. They brought back uh, um, oh, the running back, Chris Carson. Right. Locked up his wide receiver, one of his favorite targets. So, you know, this is a good move. Uh, a great player, still young. He's not going to be over the hill by the time his four years is up. Uh, it's considering the wide receiver market and what guys are getting paid this off season. And even in, uh, uh, getting franchise tagged, uh, as crazy as it sounds. And we've said it every time we talk money, sports contracts are monopoly money. So take this with a grain of salt, four years for 70 million for a guy of Tyler Lockett's talent who already knows the system, who the players around him know him is a steal. And he's going to serve all four years of these contract, his contract. It's not going to be something where they let him go after two years so they can't afford him. This is going to be a very team-friendly contract. Honestly, he'll probably restructure after three. Uh, just because yeah. that's how the way NFL contracts go. But I don't have any negative thoughts on this. This is a great move by the Seahawks. Um, I wish the Patriots had someone like Tyler Lockett. I, I, don't, I don't want to say I have negative thoughts. I'm just... I'm just cautious for the Seattle Seahawks because you've now invested so much in the offense. You're clearly, you're clearly not going to get Bobby Wagner at a, a team friendly deal. He has stated such. You're not going to get him at team friendly deal and Shaquille Griffin already signed somewhere else. I know you have Jamal Adams, but like this defense it needs some life. It needs some outside of Jamal Adams. It needs more. It needs a pass rush. Like you don't have any pass rush whatsoever. It was a problem last year. You tried to solve it with Carlos Dunlap and Jadavian Clowney. That didn't work. You tried to solve it the year before. You couldn't solve it then. So my only issue would be with the Seattle front office is how are you going to fix the defense? Well, I I, get, I understand what you're saying completely. Um, but when you have defensive players, star defensive players saying, I'm going to get as much as I can. I'm not taking a team discount. Right. Okay. And that's that player's right. If they're a side-after player and they know they got a big contract coming their way, they have every right to say, I'm not giving you a deal. You're going to pay me or someone else will. Fine. No problem. If you're the team, however... And you know Lockett's due for an extension. And he's someone who's willing to play ball. No pun intended. Uh, as far, well, I guess maybe pun intended a little bit. Uh, and and sign a team-friendly-ish contract. I mean, 4 for 70 is nothing to sneeze at. But, I mean, that's, that's uh, what, about 17 per? And the Patriots signed Aguilar for, what, 13 per? 
Yeah. Some other guys go in for for eighteen to twenty on the franchise tag. You lock up a guy of his capability uh, for 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 that price is a great thing for your team. All I'm trying to say is, yeah, I get you need to sign your defensive guys too, but if your defensive guys are essentially saying, like Jalen Ramsey did with the Jaguars, you better back up the Brinks truck. You're, you're not going to sacrifice somebody with a good team mentality who wants to be there to keep that player. A healthy locker room goes a long way during bad times. So, And, of course, the counter-argument to my point, Chris, is – their defense was shoddy at best last year. Well, it got a little bit better towards the it, end of the year. A it, little it bit. Yeah. I mean, it was, still wasn't great, but, I mean, it, it got better. And, look, maybe they're reading the tea leaves here, and they realize they're just not going to have a great defense for a few years. They may as well make their offense as good as possible. And you can't stop could, people from scoring. You better be able to score. So, And they don't have a first-round pick, but that doesn't mean they can't do something in the second or third round, depending on what they have. Right. They could absolutely – pick up some talented players because as we'll discuss uh some play some some talented players are going to be pushed down that this list and you'll never you'll be surprised at some players that maybe will be eligible in the end of the second round that maybe seahawks can add to that offense and just make it more explosive which if they're going to go this route is what they're going to need to do. They're going to need to have this high-end, high-octane offense that's just going to barrel people over. You're going to need – essentially, you're going to need to have a Kansas City Chiefs-type offense that can just score on demand. And it is possible because they, they actually started hot the first six, six, seven weeks. Yes. And it just kind of fell off a little bit. Something wasn't working, but you still have DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson, weapons. Weapons is what you need. And like you said, it may subdue this this rift between Wilson and the front office. So I like the move. I do. Yeah. It's just I, I look at the defense aside and say, what are you doing? And maybe Bobby maybe Bobby Wagner is 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 done in, in Seattle because And he's no spring chicken. No. Like, I mean, I know he's not, he's not ancient, but it's not like he's, you know, 26 coming up on his first contract. So, I mean, you put the money in lock at a guy who's probably just, just now hitting his prime or with a, with a guy like DK Metcalf, you know, across the field from him, who if DK Metcalf hasn't hit his prime yet, look out, my goodness. And I don't think he has. So that guy's going to be, that guy's going to be an absolute monster uh, if he isn't already. So, I mean... And you got Russell Wilson, who has a lot of tread on those tires still. Uh, you show up that offensive line and Chris Carson stays healthy. That is a team that, you know, I'm not going to put them in the same category as the Chiefs offensively, but maybe in some aspects they're better, not explosive-wise, but right. well-rounded. Because Chiefs don't have a running game right now. We don't we don't know until what we see what Edward Solaire is in year two, what that running game is really going to bring to the table. So, I like like you said, we both like the move. Big Tyler Lockett fan, great player. Um, and for anybody out there saying, uh, you know, well, Ben talked about them rebuilding through the draft. They haven't had good draft classes. Well, they did just draft DK Metcalf. They yeah. drafted Russell Wilson. 
Russell Wilson wasn't a first-round pick. They dug for him. They found a diamond in the rough. Yep. They drafted the majority of those guys in that dominant Legion of Boom defense and the guys they're playing good defense right now. Uh, they, they drafted Chris Carson, I believe. They drafted Lockett. I mean, this team has drafted very, very well. No team can afford to keep all their stars in free agency. It doesn't work that way. Uh, so this team can absolutely, with a good draft class, and some smart moves here and there like they've been doing, absolutely get back into contention in NFC West, without a doubt. Uh, well, <laughs> next we got, uh, we got something that really shook up our last segment. It did. Um, and this, 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 you know, this segment leads right into our next segment, which leads right into our advertised kind of highlight, if you will, our, our, what we predict our top 10 draft order will be with trades we anticipate happening. Um, uh, Really blew up. Really blew up mine. I said last week that my hot take was the Jets were going to trade that two pick and get a haul for it so somebody could come in and take Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. And what did the Jets do today? They trade Sam Darnold, who they just drafted three seasons ago, third overall, to the Carolina Panthers for the Jets' 2021 sixth-round pick. And as you pointed out to me earlier... They're 2022 second and fourth round picks. So they take a guy, third overall, year one. I mean, just a, a, a coach on the way out, a team that was in shambles. Year two, he has the thing with Mono uh, and just no leadership from Adam Gase. I mean, <laughs> Adam, <laughs> just about as poor a leader as you can imagine from an NFL head coaching standard. Uh, year two and year three injuries look good didn't look good this kid's never had a good system to be in and a fair shake uh, I think I think moving out of New York is the best thing for him that's not oh yeah an anti-jets move that's just a this kid has talent how much we don't know maybe we've seen the best of him I think he has a little bit more to give I think he can be more consistent and just getting a fresh start anywhere else is a good thing for him um Does this mean you'd have to think that the Panthers, who were widely thought to be not even just drafting a quarterback, but in the initial Deshaun Watson trade discussions. So really just after one year, we're going to blow up the whole Teddy B experiment, move on from that and try again. Cause that's what we've come down to in sports. You build a team one off season. If you don't win a championship, you just blow it up and try again. Um, so does this mean the Panthers? I mean, I have my answer in the uh, top 10 later on in the show. Yeah. Uh, but does this mean they're not drafting a quarterback? Does this mean they're willing to move in the draft now? Uh, I can't imagine them trading for Donald, even though they didn't give up a ton for him. And then not, and then drafting a quarterback or trading up to get a quarterback doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, how does this play out in your head? What, do, what are you thinking? So, so I look at this, Chris. Um, this is perfect scenario for Sam Donald because now he has CMC. Okay, he's got DJ Moore, um, Curtis Samuel signed elsewhere, correct? I believe he's in Washington. Yeah, he's on with Washington football yeah, yeah, team. Washington, yeah, Washington. Yeah, but this reunites him with one Mister Robbie Anderson. Yes. So, and and I, I, I'll rehighlight. He's now has CMC in this backfield, so he now has the legit running back. Um, say what you want about Le'Veon Bell in his prime. He was not in his prime when he went to the Jets. 
this is a great move for him. He has a chance to kind of develop his talent with a team that maybe is on the rise. As far as draft-wise, if I'm the Panthers, unless I get wowed, and I mean wowed, I sit at eight. I sit at eight, and I see what comes to me. See, see what Cincinnati does at five. See what Miami does at six. See what Detroit does at seven. And then I look at, and then when I get the get to my turn, field the calls for a first few few minutes. And if I have an opportunity, and I'll uh, wait until we get to our next segment before we get into the options there, then I make my move, whether it be choose player X or trade, but I'm, I'm in a good position because as we'll discuss, we're going to see where the, the top of the draft uh, is going to go and that's going to compress talent down in the draft. I think it would be a huge mistake unless they get like two first round picks to move down in the draft. At this point, I think they have more foreshadowing, Ben. We have foreshadowing. (laughs) They have more leverage draft day in that position. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, could it blow up in their face? It could because, you know, player a team X is the only one wanting to move up and their player is taken. So now but it still puts them in position to get a talented player because they have team needs. They could use a tackle. They could use another wide receiver. They could use a tight end. They could use – there's a lot of players they could use. So Carolina is in a great position where they can get a stud player in the top of a certain position at number eight just because they made this move to get a quarterback. They didn't give up any first-round pick, and they're sitting pretty. And – the New York Jets have clearly stated who they're the uh, what position they're going to go for, and that's just going to help. Yeah, yeah. There's no. It's going to help them, but other teams as well. And I think no that's. I think that's the. I think Carolina made a great move. Um, Jets did what they needed to do. Uh, it clarified some things for the Jets, and it kind of made it crystal clear to the team as far as like the organization and the players. This is the route we're going to go. This is the direction we're going to go. Carolina is just in a power move right now at number eight to make some moves. Uh, there's another team I think that's even a, in an even greater position at a little bit higher. But at number eight, they're in a great, great position to make moves just because of the talent they've acquired over the offseason, over last year. Uh and the fact that who they've drafted over, over the past couple seasons and the talent that they still have with CMC, with DJ Moore, with um, Robbie Anderson, just talent on talent. I agree completely. They put themselves in a real good spot. And as far as the Jets go, look, they they whiffed on another quarterback. Uh, say what you want about Mark Sanchez getting him to the AFC Championship game when they drafted him. But uh, that was the defense. In the running game, let's be real. Um, they got what they could for him. If you told me anybody, the way Darnold... Look, I, I stand by what I said. Darnold has potential, and I think he has more to offer than he's shown in New York. But in that system, in that environment, it just wasn't working for him. He needed a fresh start. 
and if he had had the same experience anywhere, it's not it's not an anti Jets thing as I'm a Patriots fan. It's just anywhere he would have been in that same yeah. scenario, he'd need a fresh start. If you had told me they were going to get three picks for that kid, including a second round pick next year, for a team that has a lot of talent, like you mentioned, but who knows what the Panthers' record is next year? If this if this is a, a top uh, 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 a top fifteen pick in the second round. They're getting a top 45 player or so for this kid, uh, as well as whatever they get in the sixth round. And New England fans very well know what a sixth-round pick can do for you. Right. Um, and, you know, they got the fourth on top of it next year, too. It's not ideal. You don't want to say three years ago we're going to flip a third-round pick or third overall pick, excuse me, for a second, fourth, and a sixth. But they weren't going to get any more from him. Nobody was giving up anything close to a first-round pick for Darnold. They ended up getting three three bodies out of this, essentially, for a guy who just wasn't working in their system. So, And this this is Robert Sala and the GM saying, okay, do we want to – we are the number two pick. Are we going to be in this position again next year, A? B, do we have faith in the talent pool coming in the next draft clap, class at quarterback right. to be this level? Chris, we, we – we, this year in and year out, there's always one or two quarterbacks that bubble up the draft. Joe Burrow was in no nowhere to be seen in the top ten quarterbacks, not top ten picks, top ten quarterbacks of last year's draft at the beginning of the season, and he bubbled himself all the way to number one. So is that possible? Yes, but looking at what the talent pool is right now for next year, were the Jets going to say? We might stink next year again, but is there a number? Is there a good quarterback at that level right. available? We don't know. We're not sure. We we look at the let's say three four quarterbacks that we're looking at. We like two or three of them. Obviously, one's off the board with with Trevor Lawrence. So they like they like their options. So they're gonna say, okay, we're gonna go this year. Uh, Robert Sala is going to start his career with tied to a quarterback and the GM. I know he's been there for a few years trying to clean up the previous mess, but you started off great move by, by drafting Makai Becton. I wouldn't have had a problem with them drafting Penny Sowell and having bookend tackles to protect Stan mm-hmm. Arnold. Yep. But you're making a clear decision, which I'm always a supporter of is you make a clear decision on what you're going to do. The worst thing they could have done was go into the draft night, and then all of a sudden we're looking at number two, and they draft a quarterback, and now they still have Sam Darnold. And now they're trading Sam Darnold from a position of weakness. Exactly, right. Whatever so, whatever they got for him now, they get half of that if they already draft a quarterback and then try to trade him. Right. Because, exactly, no, totally, 100% agree with you on that one. So... Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but uh, I think <laughs> without a doubt now the, the Jets, you know, not to spoil anything in, 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 our, in our final segment, but uh, I think without a doubt there's no way the Jets move that pick now. So they not a chance. They must, not have a chance. Known, they must have done that just to spite me knowing I was a Patriots fan. Uh, okay, so, you know, this time of year, uh, you, <laughs> rumors are a dime a dozen. Uh, normally we don't like to really, unless they're kind of fun and harmless, we really don't like to just bring up just, just blatant rumors unless there's some kind of backing to them. But 
Uh, it's been, and I can't remember where I saw it. It was a few different, few different outlets that the Falcons and Lions are both potentially looking to trade down. Uh, the Falcons have the fourth overall pick. Lions have the seventh overall pick. Um, and look, we bring this up because we think it makes sense, and we think that there's definitely legs to the both of these teams potentially moving. Uh, I, Falcons have four, and you'd have to think the top three picks are going to be quarterbacks. Right. And Matt Ryan probably has a few good years left. Uh, for whatever whatever that means for Matt Ryan, I'm not trying to be not trying to be ugly, but let's face it, he had his MVP year, and the rest of the time he's been a really good stat collector, but not a whole lot to show in the the you know win department or you know hardware department for those wins. Um, so, I mean, they may decide to do something else with the pick. They may decide. Uh, to try to pick the fourth best quarterback in the draft or the fourth taken, at least who knows it'll take years to know who they actually the best or worst was. But I can see them just saying, you know what? Our guy's not going to be here. We're moving out of this pick. We're going to get something else for it. Um, The lions, I think it even makes more sense. Honestly, they have a lot of rebuilding to do. And it's kind of the point you made with the Panthers if their pick comes up and they're having conversations with a few different teams and they know there's someone on the board that another team desperately wants, and there's going to be a lot of talent on that board. Like you said, the draft order, where players are picked, and the actual best prospects are two very different lists. Right. Because you can have great prospects slip way down the draft because if teams are drafting on need, they don't need that player. Like, they're not going to take them. They're going to be available to the next team and fall in their lap. So if you have, you know, the seventh pick comes up and you still have Penny Sewell on the board, you still have one of the Alabama receivers on the board, which you more than likely will have at least one of those players. Yeah. And they know there's a team that really, really wants them. They absolutely could make a move and get a couple first round picks in return. Um, You know, <laughs> you're going to laugh. The Lions have Jared Goff. I know. But this, who knows how he'll work in the new system. Uh, he doesn't have, I don't think, anybody for a receiver on that team right now. No. Pretty good-looking young tight end. Uh, and some some decent backs. DeAndre Swift looks really good. And uh, Hawkinson, I believe it is, the tight end. DJ Hawkinson. Looked yeah. really good last year. Uh, so, I mean, there's some nice pieces there. They're going to have to rebuild that team. One wide receiver is not going to make that offense. Someone could get to them in the draft at seven and say, hey, look, we'll, we'll give you this much for it. And they could decide that's more advantageous to rebuild the team with. Um, I don't think both teams will move, but I mean, it's possible. Am I crazy for thinking that you could you could see a lot of movement in that, that four – that four to twelve range, I think you could possibly see more movement this draft than potentially than any draft I can remember. Uh, am I crazy? I mean, are you seeing the same no. thing? I, I would I would push it to thirteen, Chris. To be to be honest, well, actually, we know at fifteen that that's always that's always a movement uh, onto itself with the New England Patriots, but 
I think I think four to thirteen we could see heavy movement at four with Atlanta Falcons. It all depends on do they want to have the Jordan Love Aaron Rodgers situation, the Aaron Rodgers Brett Favre situation. I think if you have someone like Trey Lance drop to number four, that's a perfect scenario for him to sit for a year or two. It all depends if Atlanta wants to have someone at that price tag without bringing in talents in the first round to sit for a year or two. It would make sense for them to drop down, pick up draft picks for the following years when they're out of their cap prison and then make moves and develop the team and draft players and sign players. Right now they're not in a power position to make a move, especially with the 49ers moving up, clearly going quarterback. The Jets making their move, clearly going quarterback. The Jacksonville Jaguars clearly going quarterback. If you want Trey Lance at number four, which I tentatively would look at at, or Mac Jones, who I've already spoken about as an equivalent to Alex Smith currently. Just to be fair, look, you know more about college football and ranking these players than I do. I admit that openly. I'm not trying to pile on you. You had not a high hopes for Justin Herbert last year. Correct. So I'll, I'll be it fair is on that. Very possible. And look, you hit on a ton of them. So I'm not trying. I'm not trying to take a dig at you. No, that's right. Um, I, I enjoy taking my shots at you good naturedly, but this, I'm, I mean, this is seriously. Like, it's look. Tom Brady was supposed to be a joke and wash out of the league in three years, and 21 years later, he's one of the greatest players to ever step on the field, if not the greatest, at least statistically and, and right. awards wise. You never really know. I get what you're saying as far as the all the projections. Yeah. But maybe some other team sees something that another team doesn't or the rest of the teams don't. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I would think it would be smart for the Atlanta Falcons to drop down. And and I mean, when I mean drop down, Chris, I mean if you could talk to a team in the 20s and try to pull a first and a second in a future year, then I think I'd make that move because I'm just I'm just looking at this team construct and they lost a lot of talent because they had to cut a lot of players because they have a lot of dead cap and it's all on them with what they did at seven. So I know what I said about the Panthers where I think their their leverage is during the draft. I think for the Detroit Detroit Tigers Detroit Lions just because. They have a new front off. <laughs> the Tigers might have a better chance at winning the Super Bowl before the Lions do. Sorry, sorry, Lions fans. I had to do it. My bad. Um, I think with the new front office, the new uh, head coach, I think it would be better for them to draft or not draft a uh, trade before the draft. Uh, get down a few, uh, maybe in the the teens, and. and compile some picks and get more talent and decide if you want that talent to be to surrounding Jared Goff or you're going to build on defense. And quite honestly, uh, if Penny Swell's not there at, at seven, you have some talented tackles. You can draft a tackle and, and so and it'll support any quarterback that you want to put in that, in that mm-hmm. system. So you could drop down to 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 and, and get a, one of these decent tackles that maybe 
scale up in a certain system. I but know. I think, <laughs> sorry, what I had a thought. The Jets trade Donald. They draft yeah. Penny Sewell two overall, and then they tra- <laughs> they trade for Gardner Minshew from the Jaguars. That's um, that's a bit outside the box. Every Chris. Jets fan just said words to me through their speaker <laughs> that they're not going to. I won't be able to repeat on this show. Sorry, not to cut you off. I did. That was oh, no, no, no. that's funny okay. thoughts. Um, I think I think I think Detroit needs to to send away that pick before draft day because I think they need to have as much draft capital as possible and a plan of attack going into the draft so they can maximize this one because this is important just like for the Jets and Robert Sala it's important for this draft to decide where you're going to go the Detroit Lions and their history of just awfulness they need to have in this first year to try to instill some confidence in the fan base to have a clear path and I think Dropping down and getting a, a couple picks makes sense for them. And let's not forget, too, they have two first-round picks coming from the Rams. And right. that Gaff-Stafford Staff, 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 Goff swap uh, earlier in the offseason. So, I mean, those are what, 2023 and 2024, I believe, because the Rams gave their other two to Jacksonville for uh, for Jalen Ramsey. So but it's Chris, a few years of, away. But Think of it this way, Chris. They have those in their back pocket, right? They yep. drop from seven down to, let's say, 20 at Chicago or, or 28 to New Orleans. What I'm just throwing scenarios out there. And they pick up a first-round pick next year. And they don't – they get just outside the top 10. And they like a quarterback. And it's the fourth pick. And maybe the top, the top quarterback's going to be gone, but the second one is the one they like. And no other team's – two or three like them, they can jump, use that artillery to jump up and get that guy. Yep, absolutely. Because now you had a, a, a whole college football season of tape on guy X, whoever it is. Yep. And you like them. You like their talent. You like what you've seen. You've gone through a combine, a real combine. You've gone through a real pro day. I think it just it makes sense for a team like Detroit to do this kind of move. Is to just do it before the draft, so you can focus on the draft. You can make little trades here and there, but this is top tens, top ten picks. These are these can make or break teams, GMs, longevity oh, yeah. of how long Absolutely. they're teams. Look, and let's face it, the Lions have a history, as I mentioned. I don't even know how many episodes ago as them being, in my opinion, the worst run franchise in professional sports. Uh, they have made a profession out of mismanaging talent and picking the wrong guy. And when you get the right guy, you don't pay him to stay. So, I mean, look at the last two, last two seasons, they traded Darius Slay and they let Kenny Galladay walk without a fifth year option, which they could have done. And they didn't get a first at all. No. It was a third and a fifth, I believe, for Slay. And, I mean, they'll get they'll get compensatory picks, I'm sure, for Galladay, but that's not going to be a first or second. It'll be somewhere in the third round. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a team that you're 100% right. Maybe having those two first-round picks later on in later years actually benefits them because they do have them in their pocket, and they can say two years down the road, Goff isn't working out, or maybe maybe there's a receiver on the board. 
maybe there's a receiver that's going to be so good or a linebacker that's going to be so dominant. They have to have him to, to, to build their team around. And they can say, hey, you know, we have our first-round pick. We have these two. Swap these three for that for that one position. Possible. Never know what's going to happen. But Does, does any of that number seven, they have to look at the draft as they are going to mock it. They've, they've probably mocked that draft many times already. At number seven, does that player change anything about their offense yes. or defense right. enough for them to not shift down to – 15 16 17 where they can get a player that'll make as big of an impact hmm. and yet you're gonna pick up a first round pick a second round pick pay a little bit less in that first round premium it all depends on what they decide they want to do i swear with some of the things you've said as offhand comments i swear you saw my list yeah yeah, but we're gonna. I did not, Chris. I, I know you did. I know you did because it's on my computer, and I just made it like a couple hours before we recorded. So I know you haven't seen it, but uh, Nostradamus over here uh, gets his his slick new Michigan hat, and it's like his brain power doubles. Uh, not Michigan yes. State. <laughs> not Michigan State. Not Michigan State. All right, so let's get into it. This is what we advertised last week. We yep. uh, with all the moving around and all the potential for moving around and rumors, we figured it'd be fun to one through ten. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna name the team that's supposed to be in that position, and then if one of us thinks yep. there's gonna be a trade, you know, uh, what who the team they traded uh, for? Excuse me, who the team they yep. traded with is, and yeah. I at least have, I'm, I'm sure you did too, what you think it would take to to make that swap. Um, ben, I don't believe pick players because he does I his did mock. Not. He did his, he does his mock draft. He does a mock draft for the show. He puts a lot of time into it. Does a great job doesn't want to spoil that which i totally get i however and chris it'll be it, it'll be 1.0 and that's it right you only do one you don't need 37 like all these other schmucks uh i'll call them out whatever that's it's not right. hard it's not hard to hit a first round pick when you get to guess 35 times <laughs> jesus i mean see how many you hit on last year you hit on quite a few considering you did one my draft so uh and there's no there's no pay window for that either that's free that is free yes so I, on the other hand, do not have Ben's knowledge when it comes to uh, draft picks and college football. I am may as well be throwing darts blindfolded, uh, but I do know football, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I know I know you know good players when I see them. So I, I did, I did select who I think the team will take, uh, and 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 if the trade was made, who obviously the team that traded in that position will take. So. Without further ado, uh, we're not going to go from 10 to 1 because this is draft style. Right. So we're going to do is we're going to start with Jacksonville and we're going to, you know, we're going to make our predictions there and we're going to move down to 10, uh, which was actually my request because I actually have two teams in the top 10 swapping. And if I <laughs> read the read it backwards to fro- uh, frontwards, uh, that would kind of spoil it and I would kind of suck. So number one on the board. Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't think there's anybody in the universe who thinks they're really going to move and take anyone other than Trevor Lawrence. Any disagreement? Uh, No disagreement. Team that really threw me off. Number two, the New York Jets. Second overall pick. I thought for sure they were going to be moving that pick. I thought they were going to try to stick with Darnold and and, and trade that pick and and build through more draft picks. With the trade today, it's very evident. uh, Unless... 
they are literally being run by a chimpanzee. Uh, there's no way they don't take a quarterback. Uh, I have them taking Zach Wilson at number two. Um, I don't think that's who they should take, but the reality of it is, it's the Jets and the NFL draft. Uh, this is a team that let Josh Allen, more than likely future MVP, and yeah. uh, and and um, Lamar Jackson, already won an MVP, uh, slip in the draft, and they drafted Darnold third overall, and they just traded him. So they don't exactly have the best track record. Uh, I know you don't agree with the pick, but do you think they move? They don't move. They stay right there. They'll take a quarterback. Um, confident on that because of the of the trade. Yes, I am confident on who it is. I'm just not yet prepared to put my name to it because I want to do a little more research and try to lead, read some of these tea leaves on some of these other experts what they're what they're saying. All right, number three, we have the San Francisco 49ers who mm-hmm. made a trade with the Miami Dolphins who got to pick when the Larry Tonsil trade from the Houston Texans. And you think the Houston Texans could use that pick now. Uh, so I don't have them moving, obviously. I mean, you're not going to trade that kind of uh, that kind of capital, draft capital, to, to then move out of it. I have them staying at three and picking a quarterback. I have them doing what the Jets should have done and selecting Justin Fields at three. Um, the San Fran defense and running game, that's what it's been. That's why Jimmy G is expendable. He doesn't help with that at all. And a guy like Justin Fields would absolutely fit the mold of a team trying to do that. Uh, agree that they're staying. Agree it's quarterback. Uh, again, I'm not locked into a quarterback as of yet. I like Justin Fields. We we I've talked glowingly about him and what he's done, what he did to get the Big Ten back on track of playing. Um, he just had his pro day. Ran a four four four, which is incredibly good for uh, a quarterback. It's good for a receiver, by the way. Never mind right. a quarterback. <laughs> uh, he's an incredible talent. He's got the skills. He's got the talent. He's a slight notch below Trevor Lawrence. Um, but I don't know where I'm at yet with number three with the 49ers. I have some thoughts, but I'm going to wait on deciding. Okay, number four. I don't know about you, but I have my first move. I have the Atlanta Falcons, mm-hmm. who had the fourth overall pick, trading with the Dallas Cowboys. It's an interesting move. You might say, why is that? Well, whether it happen, does or doesn't happen, much like many Game of Thrones predictions I had, I have sound logic for it, okay? The Cowboys don't need a quarterback, obviously. Right. But I wouldn't put it... <laughs> I wouldn't put it by Jerry Jones to go. I want Trey Lance. They're not. They're not going to take uh, a wide receiver, are they? Uh, no, not in my not in my not in my prediction. Okay, so you have Dak Prescott, you have Ezekiel Elliott for however much longer you have him for. You have receiver. You have an offense uh, that that is expensive. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have a ton of cap room the next few years. So what can you do? Well, you have some expendable first round picks that probably better off if you just just didn't even have to save that cap room because jerry jones is not great at saving money no in fact he's good at <laughs> piling up a hundred million dollars of it shaping it like amari cooper and setting it on a fire um <laughs> so 
We got to record at night every time, man. I just yeah, the filters are off. Uh, so I have them trading up, and it's going to cost them this pick. They're ten pick. It's going to cost them next year's first round pick. Okay. It's going to probably cost them a couple other you know pieces of fourth or sixth or whatever, and it's going to also cost them a second round pick down the road. It's going to be expensive. Okay. And taking Penny Sewell to protect their running back and wide re- running back and quarterback investments because Dak Prescott is dynamic and he's fantastic, but he ain't leading to any wins on the bench if he's injured again. So they're going to trade a lot draft capital wise. Jerry's not going to be able to get out there on his seventeen trillion dollar boat and draft from there and say we want receivers even though we have forty six already. Nope. He's he's going to, I can't believe I'm saying this, do the smart thing. Mm-hmm. Look, top picks are a lot of allotted money. Uh, even if you're down in the draft, it's still quite a bit for a first rounder. Trade them away. Protect your investment. Shore up that offensive line. That's when the Cowboys are at their best. For whatever that's been worth for the past two decades is when they have a dominant offensive line. They need to start rebuilding that and protecting their investments. And they can't do it in free agency. They don't have the cap rooms. They have to do it through the draft. I like the logic, Chris. I really do. I think it makes sense. I think Atlanta's going to stay. I'm of the theory that even though you read the reports that they're considering trading down, I think they're going to go quarterback. They're going to take the fourth. I'm looking at Trey Lance because I think it's a Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love situation. So, and I think it would make sense where you could take a year or two and then Matt Ryan can become expendable. But your logic is sound. And it actually, it's a bold move by the, D, the Dallas Cowboys. And it speaks to what I talked about earlier about Atlanta needing to gather resources uh, for future. But I think, I think they're going to stay right where they were. Cause they're not, I don't think they're going to get that offer you talked about. I don't think they're going to get that offer from Dallas or anybody else. That's really going to entice them to move out of that spot. And if they don't have confidence in a draft class next year or year after they're going to be concerned about, are they going to be one of these teams that doesn't have a quarterback? Um, I can think of, you know, the Panthers who you know, went from Cam Newton to Teddy Bridgewater to now Sam Darnold or Washington football team who, what is their quarterback situation right now? Detroit lions, LA Rams, Denver, Denver Broncos, this, you, you, if you think you have your, you have confidence in this guy to be your future quarterback, they might take him. Um, I'm not confident in that stance right now. I do think there's a possibility, but I think right now speaking, I think the Atlanta Falcons stay at four. Well, before the Jets made this trade, real mm-hmm. quick, I know we're going in order here, but real quick before the Jets made this trade, I thought I thought it was even possible the Falcons could try to trade up to two. I believe that, yeah. Jump from four to two if they didn't think the Jets were going to take a quarterback. 
because you knew you knew the 49ers were going to take a quarterback. Jacksonville's going to take a quarterback. You could go from four to two, jump the 49ers, get whoever you wanted, uh, you know, uh, aside from Trevor Lawrence. And, yeah, you'd probably give up next year's first-round pick just for jumping two spots, maybe even more, if you're, like, the Bears 49ers situation during the Trubisky debacle. But, I mean, you get your guy. But now they're they're not going to get Zach Wilson. They're not going to get Justin Field. They're obviously not getting trust of uh, Trevor Lawrence. So I think they may just look stick with Ryan for another year, collect some picks, rebuild that team. Because, look, yeah. they don't have the players or the salary cap to have the supplementary players to make that a competitive team when Julio Jones is gone and Matt Ryan's gone. So, for again, for whatever that's worth, and I've said that a lot this episode. If you turn it into a drinking game, you're probably hammered by now. But for whatever that's worth, this I, I hope for their sake they're smart enough to know, well, let's move back. But we'll see what happens. But I could see that being a draft day, Chris, just because I, Justin Fields is a Georgia kid. Just to your, I, I believe I'm 99% sure he's a Georgia kid because he went to Georgia, and then he transferred to Ohio State after his freshman year, right? Because he was stuck behind Jake Fromm. Um, I think everything I read of mock drafts, it's Atlanta tied to Justin Fields, and if you're Atlanta, and Jacksonville takes Trevor Lawrence, and the Jets take Zach Wilson. And the Niners take Trey Lance. You now have Justin Fields. But yeah, I, I, I do man. like I do like your scenario though. Yeah, I, I just I, I thought Fields could fall, but after his pro day, man, I, I just don't know. He killed it. Uh, okay, number five. This one's easy for me. Cincinnati Bengals. They have Joe Burrow. They don't need a quarterback. Right. What they really need after with you know to go along with uh, Tyler Boyd and uh, T Higgins is a. Dominant number one. Tyler Boyd is very, very good. You get a dominant number one, Tyler Boyd's a pro ball receiver in, in the two position. They stay where they are, and they yep. take Joe Burrow's old school mate, Jamar Chase, with a fifth overall pick. Um, That's pretty cut and dry for me. I don't see them moving. I don't see them even be tempted to move. I think that, I think if Penny Sewell is there, there's, there's definitely a discussion, Sewell or Chase. Yeah. But I don't think they move and they take they, – if Sewell's gone, they take Chase. If Sewell's there, I got to lean towards Sewell. But according to my projection here, I already have him gone. So, Jamar Chase it is. Uh, that's what I was going to say. It, it, number five, because I, I, I kind of lean in towards four quarterbacks off the board. So, number five is where the draft the, – the, the non-quarterback draft starts. And I think if you're the Bengals, you have to lean – towards Penny Sewell, even though Joe Burrow is pitching Jamar Chase to the front office. And I get it. I understand it. It makes a lot of sense. But you only have one first-round pick. You need to, to hit on it, and you need to be securing it. And Joe, you need to stay upright. And Penny Sewell would be the pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not – sold on whichever pick I'm going to uh, whatever player I would choose I would lean towards Penny Sewell just because of the fact that he needs protection I, and I don't think Cincinnati is going to um, it would take I'll put it this way Chris it would take Penny Sewell Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts 
uh, tight end out of Florida to be off the board for the Cincinnati Bengals to drop out of five. And that's not happening. No, no. There's no way this, the, the top three shakes out. I mean, maybe player-wise, you know, the Jets take fields and uh, the, the Niners take Wilson, but there's no way the first three players off the board are not quarterbacks. So by just by that, and I maybe Kyle Pitts is a little bit, a little bit of a reach because Kyle would probably be more towards the top end, or the bottom end of the top ten. But even then, your Cincinnati, uh, I know they got some nice tight ends, but they don't have like a game breaker. If Jamar Chase and if Penny Sewell was off the board, Kyle Pitts would be a nice fit into that offense as well. But it's not going to happen. So I think this is where the draft starts. And I think, but I think Cincinnati will definitely stay here. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, obviously, I said it. <laughs> I already said it. Um, number six, the Miami Dolphins after their rash of trades last week, end up with a six pick. We talked about whether we thought they would move out of that that six and move down. Yeah. I don't think so because they have a chance to shore up a position that is really sought after in this game. And they're not taking a quarterback. They're not taking a running back. That'll be later on in the draft. Mm-hmm. That'll be that'll be with their 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 second first round pick. What they're doing here is they signed Will Fuller they have uh, Devontae Parker. Yep. They're going to shore up their tight end position and take Kyle Pitts at number six. Even with Gusecki? Yep. Okay. Dual tight ends. Hey, uh, Brian um, – God, I forget his name. Coach. Brian Flores. Brian Flores. Brian Flores. My God. Apologies, Mr. Flores. Jeez. Memory. Um, Brian Flores, New England system. Loves a two tight end set, as you can see with all the money they spent in free agency and oh. their lack of success without it. How much they struggled without that. The two tight end set. They got their speech, their receiver, and Fuller, if he can stay healthy. Devontae Parker's proven he isn't recognized as a number one throughout the game. But, my God, the guy has the talent if he can stay healthy. Young quarterback, decent offensive line. They say can shore up the running game later in the draft. The defense looks better than advertised. This (laughs) – a a, a tight end who can move like a receiver and act like a tight end is a rare thing to do very well. And this Kyle Pitts kid, the way they're projecting him, could be in that upper echelon of tight end discussions in short order. The Dolphins would be crazy to pass on him for another position. So I think Miami's staying. And I think they take the leftover of Penny Sewell, Jamar Chase. Um, I think they'd be happy with either one. But if if they had the option, they were at number five. I think they would take Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell. I like the Kyle Pitts pick, a Kyle Pitts pick, as well. Uh, but I think I think what they need is that true outside number one. I think Devontae Parker is a nice option in the middle, uh, slot guy. He is the number one, but he's a I like him inside the numbers and Jamar Chase proven in just one season, how much of a force he is on the outside. And, and I do like the two tight end sets, uh, but I think they can get away with Kiseki and um, whatever else they can get their hands on. 
And you're right, they can absolutely address the running back position later in the draft. There's a couple of good options. Um, I wouldn't go Jalen Waddle here uh, just because I think that's you're duplicating what Will Fuller and Devontae Parker can do, even though Jalen Waddle has tremendous speed. I just think you're doubling up too much there. Um, and then I wouldn't go defense. I think defense were just a little too early here. Right. So, Which is why I thought they're not going to move. Pitts is a great pickup. Yeah. I, I, funny enough, I do not disagree with you at all. If Suell or Chase is on the board, he's absolutely going to be a Miami Dolphin. I just have them projected to already be gone. Yeah. Which is why I said I'm going with Pitts. Mm-hmm. Because I think he's different. <laughs> he's going to be an impact offensive weapon he's not just going to be a blocking tight end and you know him and Kasiki, along with fuller and adams and whoever mm-hmm. they get in the running game you know uh to a really solid young offense going there in miami all right you're you're gonna swear at me go ahead number seven detroit lions mm-hmm. are going to move they're gonna trade with the new england patriots Interesting move. This is due to the nature of it. The Pats mm-hmm. aren't getting in the top three. They don't have the draft capital. They don't. There's no way. And they, they, look, Belichick's not giving up that much <clears> for any player. Uh, Falcons, they don't have to trade with them because the Falcons, I don't think, are going to take the guy the Patriots are taking. Bengals and Dolphins don't need a quarterback. And anybody else who reasonably has the draft capital probably isn't going to be able to move up into those mm-hmm. spots anyways. So they're going to trade with the Detroit Lions, who they have a pretty decent relationship with mm-hmm. uh, over the years. They're going to send them. They're going to swap first-round picks this year, send them their first next year. They may as well trade it ahead of next season because <laughs> they don't use them anyways most of the time. And they're probably going to have to throw in maybe a player and a supplementary, a couple of supplementary picks as well. And they're going to select Trey Lance. They're going to get their quarterback. I know you're not sold on him, but here's the thing. He can come in. He can come in. I don't think Belichick sold on me. I'll just talk about Matt Jones and the Patriots. I don't buy it. I don't think Belichick sold on the guy. Uh, I think you have. I know you haven't seen a lot of Trey Lance. That's your problem with him, short sample size. That is my problem with him, yes. But what he's <clears throat> the, the things he's shown are very, very good. Uh, not perfect, which is why he's not going in the top three. But you're going to have to pay a lot to move up and get a quarterback. I, I love Cam Newton as a person. I really wish good things for him as a player, especially if the Patriots don't make a move and he is the starter next year. But you have to, if you're the Patriots, and you have uh, the 15th pick, in your mind, the Patriot mentality, Belichick does not plan on being here next season at this this, this level in the draft. He plans on being in the mid to late 20s. You're not going to have the ammo to trade up for a quarterback again. He's not going to go out in free agency and spend $40 million a year on somebody. It's not what he does. So he's going to move up and get somebody he thinks he can turn into a great player. You have Cam Newton this year, mm-hmm. and they can work in Lance wherever they can. Um, they can they, you know, they can put him in some packages. Maybe by the end of the year, Lance is a starter. Who knows? Maybe all year Cam starts and Lance just sits and watches. But – I absolutely see them making a move because, look, Belichick's not going to be coaching 20 more years. 
It's just the reality of it. This guy could still have quite a few good years left, but he's, he's entering the backstretch of his coaching career. And he's not just, he wants to find another guy he can win with, or at least manage games with while he builds a defense that can win. And he's not just going to keep going for year to year, rebuilding offenses and guessing. He's going to go for his guy to build it around. And Stidham is clearly not the guy. Okay. It's an interesting move. So I talked all about Detroit moving and what they should do and how they should do that. And uh, I have Detroit staying. I think um, the last quarterback left, which I think will be Mac Jones. Again, I'm not 100% on this, but I think at number seven, you're going to see the last quarterback, the last top quarterback being taken by the Detroit Lions. Because um, you know they're not sold on Jared Goff, the way the the way the oh, contract, no. no, the way that contract is, yeah, it's and they could be right in the top of the draft next year. They could have a quarterback that they have confidence in, whether it be Trey Lance or Mac Jones, and they could build the rest of the offense around having that quarterback. And I think. I think that's the route they're going to go, even though they're going to be tempted to trade down with multiple teams. Um, That's where I think they're at, at number seven. All right. Number eight, Carolina Panthers. And my projection, they do, in fact, move. Mm -hmm. Who do they move with? They move to the last team that could potentially – with the right pieces, win over the next couple of years, or at least have a solid offense, and that is the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings trade, swap first-round picks, move from 14 to 8. Carolina moves back to 14, trade a first-round pick next year, and again, some other supplementary picks, later-round picks, maybe a second down the road. Who knows? Those are so hard to tell. It's all a guessing game. Uh, And the Vikings select Mac Jones to replace Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins is on the last year of his guaranteed contract, and there is no way, absolutely, and I said this two years ago too, so it made me look like a fool again, mm-hmm. that the Vikings, they can't do anything other than a fully guaranteed contract to Cousins now. They've signed him to two. So they're already telling him if they give him anything less, they don't have faith in him to carry that to carry the torch for the team. Good point. So they have to get his predecessor in if they're not going to give him another guaranteed contract, which there is absolutely no way any sane team could do. So they bring in Mac Jones, and they let him sit under the, <laughs> the, this is an oxymoron, the Kirk Cousins learning tree. And they develop him for a year, and then they set him free with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook, whoever they bring in for tight end. And you said he needs, he's a guy who needs heavy talent around him yes. to be able to do the things he can do. He can do some good things, but he needs the talent around him. Well, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen aren't enough talent. You need to get the hell out of the league and go – Go do something else. Plus, is, plus, Irv Smith Jr. is there. I know he's not great, but he's a talented tight end. Sure, absolutely. So, they, they make their move up. They take the last guy in the first round. The Panthers still get a great player at 14. And some picks down the road to help rebuild with again. So, I I think that's a good move. Number eight, uh, Carolina's going to stay. And... So they have wide receivers. 
They have a uh, elite running back. They need a tight end, and Kyle Pitts is still on the board. And I'm leaning towards Kyle. Didn't Pitts. you watch my draft? No, he's not. I, I know in your draft he's not, Chris, but in mine he he has the possibility of being there. Uh, wide receivers uh, definitely still an opportunity there. Um, tackle. There are first round talent tackles. Um, you could uh, Vernon Tucker from USC could be a slight reach. Um, or Slater from Northwestern could be a slight reach, but I have to do a little more digging on these. I'm pulling these out of a uh, off a website, Walter Football, who I go to for mock drafts, um, and he rates t- players. So I, I have not looked at these guys yet, but these are uh, the upper talent of tackles left after the obvious number one, Penny Sewell. Um, and I think that's an option for them as well uh, for Carolina to get tackle. But I think you look at it, the uh, picking up Sam Darnold, I think you need that offensive weapon. I would lean towards Kyle Pitts being that guy. All right, number nine, Denver Broncos. There's been a lot of chatter about them potentially moving up to take someone to replace Drew Locke, who, I mean, a lot of people were high on, then they weren't high on, then they loved, then they hated, then they had to change mm-hmm. out, and now they want to keep in. Who knows what they want to do with this kid? Um, had an injury plagued first season, inconsistent, unhealthy team around him his second season. Uh, so, again, that's where we are in this league. You don't do it within a year or two, you're out. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, he's shown some flashes, but maybe it's not enough. Just ask Sam Darnold. Uh, but with all the five, according to my uh, mock draft or mock to this point, uh, they, they don't have any of the top five quarterbacks left, and they're certainly not taking uh, anybody, any other quarterback at nine. That would be absolutely blasphemous. Regardless of what you think of Mac Jones, <laughs> I mean – he going in the first round isn't absurd, um, given certain team circumstances. But anybody past him would absolutely be just nuts. It would be John Gruden level crazy. So what are the Broncos going to do? The Broncos like to have a dominant defense. The Broncos like good, solid, strong linebackers. They have Von Miller. He's who knows how much left he has in the tank. So the Broncos are going to stay put, and they're going to draft a guy who can learn from him for a year or two, and that's Micah Parsons. Mm. Uh, I had him taking a corner originally because, for whatever reason, I thought I'd already put Parsons in the draft, and then I switched because, well, <laughs> mm. I, I just he, I just see this kid in Denver. I don't know what it is, and Denver loves their high-end draft stud defensive players to build around. So I, I think he's a good fit. And I can definitely see them taking him if the rest of it were to play out the way it does. So, Denver, um, I, I I can get on board with Mika Parsons going there, no problem there. Defense, I could get on board with. Um, you're right about the quarterback. I, I there's so much talk about is Drew Locke the answer? Are we gonna go somewhere else? In my draft, there's no quarterback, just like yours. Uh, mock draft there's no quarterback left um the person that john elway and i know his role is slightly diminished but the person he's been trashing the most past few years is uh the tackle bowls um who can't protect any quarterback they throw out there 
Now that was lessened this past off of uh, this past season. I think it was only because the offensive continuity was so flawed that you couldn't notice the inequities of this tackle because the offense couldn't flow and they would want to go tackle because what did I speak about before is like, it doesn't matter um, if you're investing in drew lock or the next quarterback, a great tackle is always going to be any quarterback's best friend. Absolutely. Problem is, is um, uh, Penny Sewell is taken already. And I think from what I've seen, um, the rest of the tackles, this might be a little bit too much of a reach at nine. I see the LA Chargers jumping from 13 to nine, uh, throwing in a second round pick and possibly a third or a fourth. I know it's four spots, but four spots is four spots. Oh, yeah. Uh, they would like a tight end because uh, they just lost theirs. And I know they got Jared Cook, but um, possibility of Kyle Pitts being there, but likely is no. I think this is a landing spot for either a Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, or Jalen Waddell. Oof, along with Keenan Allen, that'd be dangerous. My goodness. All right, at 10, yep. a little bit of a spoiler. I already had the Cowboys trading with the Falcons. So this is the Falcons picking here, not the Cowboys. Um, what do you, you know, they they could try to move down again. But then, like you mentioned last week with the Dolphins potentially moving again, you're kind of, you can only accumulate so many picks because people keep saying, well, that's great, but you have nobody on the field that's worth a damn. Right. So they're going to keep this pick at 10. Uh, the Falcons are. And... They don't need receivers. They're not putting more money there. They're not taking a quarterback. What do you do when your offense is aging, but you can't put anything anything else into it? It's too early for a running back. There's no dominant stud top five, top ten running backs in this draft. What do you do? You draft defense. Right. And you draft defense. You draft the projected best pay, player on the board, Caleb Farley. I thought about the other kid. Uh, J.C. Horn? Uh, J.C. Horn. From South uh, Carolina? Yeah, but um, honestly, full disclosure, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I picked Farley because he was ranked kind of higher overall. I'm not the uh, the stat, the college stat stud that you are. So I uh, <laughs> I had I had to do projections there. Yeah. But I think they take the best cornerback projected on the board. They need to shore up their defense if their offense is going to struggle with their aging stars. And they've already made a couple picks down the road. They got another one from the Cowboys, good for the trade. They get Penny Sewell. Right. A couple other supplementary later on, not supplementary. Um, additional pieces. Yep. Another first, maybe a second, whatever. So they already made, you know, they're already coming out. They're playing with house money and they get the best corner on the board. Kind of a win win for the, uh, the Falcons. So <clears throat> where I'm at, obviously, I'm still Dallas here uh, because. I don't have them trading up. They could go tackle, which is what they they do need offensive line help. Um, I think either Slater from Northwestern or there's a guy, uh, Darishaw from Virginia Tech. Now they're kind of first, second round projections. One of those twos was uh, played all three positions. I want to say it was Slater from Northwestern, but I'm not 100% sure. 
which will be a great pickup uh, for Dallas. I don't think they'll go that direction because a, I think it might be too much of a, a, a reach. Um, I think they'd go corner. So I'm agreeing with number 10 being a cornerback. So in, in corners right now this year, it really depends on what you want out of your cornerback. Um, Caleb Fari did not play in the 2021, 2020 season. Yeah, you opted out, right? Right. Yeah. And so let me be clear. I, I am not um, degrading anyone who opted out. You opted out. You had your reasons. I, I fully support you. That being said, you opted out for a season. So you have not been playing on the field for a full season. Right. Plus, J.C. Horn played, and Patrick Sertain, uh, I think it's this, yeah, the second, um, played. So I currently have those two graded just a little bit above Caleb Farley for that matter. Caleb Farley has great talents. I go J.C. Horn to the Dallas slightly over Patrick Sertain. Um, I like the talent that Sertain played against because he plays in the SEC. I think J.C. Horn might be just a smidge above him. Um, but I like I like Dallas taking a cornerback because, A, they need to replace, and it pains me to say this, um, what's his name that went to Miami? Uh, Byron Jones. Byron Jones. They need to replace Byron Jones with somebody. And I think J.C. Horn would be a good um, pick to take at number 10. It's a solid number 10 pick. It's not too high. It's not too low. And like you said, and I'm sure Caleb Farley will be um, equally as good. You're taking the best cornerback at that spot at number 10 which sometimes you don't get that opportunity. But because of the corner quarterback situation, and in my opinion, two, potentially three of them are going to be overdrafted, you're going to have talent at number 10, number 12, number 13, number 14. It's just going to be there. So I, I like I like Denver. Uh, what did you know? You said Atlanta. I like Atlanta taking if if they were at number ten, I like them taking a quarterback as well. I just like number ten having a quarterback because I think the talent will be there. Right. All right, that does it for our top ten. Um, you know that was, that was a lot of fun. Ben and I always love uh, love breaking out our stat nerd and and uh, inner stat nerd and, and and doing things like this top ten lists and top fives whatever we do and and projections it's a lot of fun and this time of year with the draft coming up is just about the best time to do a lot of this stuff uh, we'll have more in the off season because after the draft quite honestly with free agency it kind of dies down for a while there'll be news on like camps and stuff like that but it's not doesn't exactly make enthralling content to be like oh and Tua threw 15 passes in practice today so you'll have some more top 10 lists and, and things of that nature yeah. as uh as other sports continue to not give us content to discuss and, uh, and, and the season rolls on uh, as well as all the stuff that Ben does for the draft, which is, is always really cool to see. Uh, he does a lot of work on that. Does a really nice job. 
So all that's coming down the road. Uh, but uh, for now, a lot of lot of draft discussion. Uh, not quite sure what we have planned for next weekend. Uh, excuse me, next week's episode. Um, but we will we will figure something fun out to do list wise or, or ranking wise, and uh, and make sure we put that on Twitter and Facebook and let you guys know what you can expect. Uh, one more thing before we go, at least from my end, uh, supposedly. According to to many people uh, with with knowledge of the situation, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, the great Larry Fitzgerald, uh, is apparently prepared to call it a career and retire after 17 seasons with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, You and I remember very well around draft time when Mr. Fitzgerald was taken, all the controversy around whether he was eligible or not eligible, uh, and all he's done is come into the league, play with decency and class, and be without a doubt, one of the all-time greats. Uh, So we don't have a lot on that now because we're not 100% sure. He hasn't announced it. It's just kind of speculation at this point. So if he does, we will certainly have a lot more on that. Um, You know, some of our favorite Fitzgerald moments, uh, as I'm sure any real fan of the game has had over the 17 years they've been able to watch this guy play, uh, as well as all of his accomplishments. But we're not going to do that now in case he comes out you know, tomorrow morning and says, Hey, I'm going to play for any team season. Then it's kind of a, kind of takes some of the excitement away when we do it next off season, if he retires. So we'll wait on that. But uh, yeah, if that is it, um, it, it's hard to think of a player who's carried themselves with more um, dignity and class and just been just an all around decent dude who, by the way, played at just about the highest level his entire career so that's uh that's it for me anything else for you no i'll save uh, if we if he does come out and retire i'll save what i have to say because the man deserves an entire segment yeah in one of get our episodes that, yeah, just sure. because of what he's done but i'm all set all right well we thank you all very much for listening to episode 124 any questions comments concerns anything you heard on this episode past episodes Ben and I'd love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTS pod, Facebook, Ben and Chris talk sports or the website, bctspod.com. All right. And again, Hey Chris. And also uh, for men's basketball uh, update, um, the national championship went final Baylor upset Gonzaga 86 to 70. Oh, Gonzaga had been undefeated, huh? Had been undefeated, and now they are not. Congratulations oh, to Baylor. As so. Patriots, Patriots fans, we know that pain. <laughs> but congratulations to Baylor. A uh, little bit of breaking news, so maybe. Oh no, you know what? We're recording this on Monday. Spoiler, because we just told you the national title score. So uh, <laughs> you will have definitely heard it by the time you wake up Tuesday, and the show releases Wednesday. Uh, but maybe we'll release it early, just so you get a little bit of a surprise. Uh, Never know. Whatever, whatever you feel like, Chris. All right. Thank you so much for listening once again. Uh, we, we greatly appreciate all the support. Uh, downloads still look good. Uh, really trending in the right direction. If you have not yet and you feel so inclined, we ask that you do leave a rating and a review and tell a friend. Till next time, for Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.